This week's episode is brought to you by anti-seizure meds. Lucky for you guys, you don't get to see the side effects of my anti-seizure meds because I edit most of them out. But a side effect of the thing that allows me to keep my driver's license is that sometimes I get confused and nauseous. And it's just a thing I have to deal with. Anti-seizure meds. Hey everybody, welcome to Nexus at Night. The world's on fire, but we're underwater, I think. I'm Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Rootbeer. I'm Commander Jaime. And I'm James. And if we're talking about Grand Blue, we're both underwater and dead. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, so if you've been paying attention to the reveals, uh, we released the premium profile for Grand Blue, and Boucheraud was like, oh, they just released that? Here's some more stuff that they have to talk about. So, uh, yeah. Grand Blue released, re-released uh, Seven Seas stuff, and they introduced a new mechanic. Take it away, boys. Did you want to start off, James, or how I start off? You can start off. Sure. Uh, so, alluding to the new markers that came out, uh, so Seven Seas got retrained in Viera with like a completely different mechanic. So, for example, we have the treasure marker now, and it's a marker that you can place both on rearguard circles or vanguard circles, but it doesn't do anything by itself. And really, what it does is basically all the Seven Seas units gain abilities or actually allow to gain those markers if they were able to hit the battle that they attacked, regardless of Rigard or Vanguard. And so, um, you guys want to start off with some of the skills? Uh, yeah, I'll, t I'll take the first one. Um, so, the Grade 3, and probably what everything's going to be revolving around, is Lord of the Seven Seas Night Mist. Uh, 12k Grade 3 with a Protect Marker. On Van or Rear, when its attack hits, choose one of your Van or Rear Guard circles without any Treasures markers. Good, good job, Grammar. And put a treasure marker. Um, and then on Vanguard Circle, you get all of the effects below according to the number of your treasure markers. If you have one or more, all of your rearguards with seven Cs in their card name can attack and intercept from the back row. If you have three or more, during your turn, all of your units with seven Cs in their card name get plus 5k. And then if you have six or more, so if you have a full field, this unit gets uh, red text. At the end of the battle that it attacked, stand all of your rearguards with seven Cs in their card name. Well, that's already better than, like, most Protect decks that exist right now, and by most, I mean almost all of them. Yeah. It's wow. Like, it's almost like this deck is an, ex is like an Excel deck, in a way, right? They have to wait for it. <laughs> well, you can also use Protect 2 in the back row and be a giant memer. <laughs> You're saying there might be a use for Protect 2? <laughs> I know, right? Hard to believe. So, the, also the Seven Seas cards, the when the attack hits, uh, shoes on your Vanguard Rear Circle, Rear Guard Circle without a treasure marker and put a treasure marker there. That's on every card, the Seven Seas in its name, basically. Yep, like, true. Slash Zade has that ability, works on Van and Rear, and then on Rear Guard Circle it has an additional ability that if it's, ha if it's, if it has a marker on its circle, not just a treasure marker, right? But a marker. Right. It gets power plus 15,000. 15, so. It's going to be 24k, probably you know 29k if you're protect too, like an absolute madman. And I uh, mean, if you're putting these in the back row, that's not entirely a bad idea. Right. And you just like mm -hmm. yeah, poke you. Actually, with uh with the uh, night mist, it's going to be what tw uh, 29, even if it's just a treasure. Yeah. And then 34. That's correct. Right. Assuming you have three or more, and then tw 34 with a uh, protect. So <laughs> looking right. like this is looking like. Just a good deck. If this didn't have the hit, like hit anything, it would be absolutely atrociously unplayable. <laughs> for oh, I see. Because you I need six that, uh, markers and you need to hit the Vanguard six times, it'd be really bad, right? Uh, I know that Alvin thought it, uh, the other Alvin thought that it was hit Vanguard, not hit anything. Yeah. I know several. To be, fair, like, yeah. all... to be fair, I thought that at first too, and then it had <laughs> to be pointed out. That was the first thing I looked for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just coming off of G era, we've just been trained to look at on hit as bad because most of them were bad. Yeah. Well, Another like, how, thing how... that we've been trained to look at in G era is something called red text, which we haven't really seen in standard up until now. So it's kind of interesting that uh, 
Nightmist looks like the only card that in standard right now that has the red text. So it doesn't really mean anything at the moment, but it kind of means that, hey, Bushiro is bringing bad red text. Whether that's good or not, I'm not sure, but it's opening new design space for new types of cards in standard. Red text meaning when you meet a condition, you get a, like, a second or third skill. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, he gains an additional ability somehow. Mm-hmm. I mean, t- some of our listeners have only been around since standard. This could be entirely new for them, so. Yeah. That's why I'm... Also, the fact that it's a uh, stand, everything is, like, free if you have six treasures is pretty nutty. Yep. That's true. Sorry, like if a... I stand everything, I'm stand all seven C's, but, you know, hope- yeah. hopefully... <laughs> <laughs> That's just everything. I mean, having, um... <laughs> Like, having a back row full of Slash Shades is pretty nutty. Yes. Yes, I agree. I think a lot of the... Go ahead. Oh, I think a a back row full of Slash Shades is really cool and all, but unless he... But I think it's, like... It really depends on what you have in your two front rows, because many times I think that it's... Unless you have already two good front row rear guards, it might not be ideal, because... Sometimes you're not playing around triggers that way. Because sometimes you need the booster in the back. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I, I was actually, like, thinking about this and doing a bunch of theory. And, like, at first I thought this deck was a pretty simple deck. But then when I thought more about it, there's a lot of, like, optimization stuff to do during your turn. And it changes from turn to turn. Especially since uh, the, 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 six, the, the six or more skill for... Uh, Night Mist happens at the end of the battle while you get a marker, um, it, and it's continuous, not auto on, it's not auto on place, it's continuous, and it happens at the end of the battle. So, like, if Night Mist hits, then, uh, then he will get the treasure before checking for the condition, uh, so he will get the restand. But the thing is, is like, let's say you're at three, and you have a, and you can attack six times this turn. You have the potential to get to six, but how do you change your attack order up to... You have Because some orders are better for maximizing the number of attacks you get. Some orders are better for maximizing for uh, like playing around triggers. And some orders will be better assuming you get to six, but worse assuming you don't get to six. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's like a lot of mid-battle optimization, as well as just other things, too. Uh, so yeah, That's it's good, surprisingly though. complex. Yes, I agree. Yeah. But one of the things that the um, the seven C's it puts them in a weird position, right? Like they can guard all of your attacks to prevent to get those thresholds. Like I don't want him to get three treasure markers, or I don't want to get him to six treasure markers. So I'm gonna have to guard, and that could be with anything. You could be attacking rear guards, so that makes it even a little more like uh, harassing the rear guards at that point. And so they have to like really think about. Should I just let them hit that certain threshold, or am I going to have to lose some kind of hand advantage or even regard advantage just to prevent, you know, the, the markers from generating? I think... Hey, you know, them doing that is almost pirate-like. Oh. <laughs> it, it's, like you're, it, it's like you're plundering them. You're hitting them, taking the treasure, pretty much. Uh, uh, I just imagine I, like they're being mugged, and it doesn't work at all. <laughs> but it's really funny. <laughs> Have you like guys ever seen an well. unsuccessful mugging? No. No. <laughs> what does that so, even look like? Okay, so one time when I was uh, in college at UCR, I was coming back from class late at night, and uh, a guy sticks something in my back and goes, give me your wallet. And I was like, I don't have any cash. And I like pull it out and show him. And he's like, well, give me your cards. And I was like, um, I can just cancel them after you leave. And then there's a pause, and he goes, fuck, and runs off. <laughs> That's an unsuccessful mugging. I think um, the, the, the mistake is he's trying to rob college students, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, he could have taken my phone, too, but it, I guess that didn't pass through his head. But that was probably the only, like, valuable thing he could have made off with. He probably wouldn't know how to stop the tracking on the phone. Right, right. That's it. I don't know. I, ne- I never got a good look at the guy, so... You know. Fair. Yeah. Um, fuck. <laughs> uh, fuck! Back to Grand Blue. <laughs> yeah, uh, What were we talking Jinx. about for Night Because I remember I had a follow-up point, but I forgot what we were talking about. 
We're so it's not in. You get the treasure marker. You can still hit that six threshold. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, so I think uh, I think that in terms of hitting thresholds, that's fine. But I believe there's certain time points where you don't want the seven seas player to hit certain time points. Like on first grade three turn, you do not want to let them uh, get to three or more. Because if you don't let, if you're going first and you prevent the knight miss player from seven seas player from getting you to three, it significantly hurts their first grade three turn, and that in turn slows down their tempo a lot. So I think just denying the three or more at grade three is a big deal, uh, if possible. And depending on what deck you're playing, uh, depending on what deck you're playing, it could be very because uh, because I guess. Uh, we'll have to go through more of the cards to fully understand it, but overall, um, compared to, say, Kakaitis, the Kakaitis build, this deck has many less ways to consistently uh, call cards from the drop zone. So this deck is actually somewhat hurt by Retire compared to other Grand Blue decks. Um, yeah. Can I uh, extend on that more topic? Yes. So with... Grand Blue. Grand Blue has always been a Rigar-centric clan. The only difference that it was just be able to deal with retire clans is that the Vanguard itself would actually just bring back a field or even a card to really help that out. And that was something that your Vanguard already did. You didn't have to commit more cards from hand, you know, from drop or anything like that to make your field actually um, basically takes advantage of your Rigards to do something. And you miss out on the revival ability, so now you're depending on your rearguard cards, whether they're be in your hand field or drop, to actually build successful field formations to really abuse those skills for um, Nightmares. Yeah. Um, it seems to me that the, the clans that are going to have the easiest time against this new kind of green blue is anything that can deal with them in a semi-permanent fashion, and now we're further into V-era, where stuff like Binding from Narukami or uh, the Vanish Deleting from Link Joker is easier to do and more permanent. Um, yeah, Narukami. Narukami sounds like a bitch, but that's nothing new. <laughs> Vanquisher um, still broken two sets later. I, I think the uh, Angel Feather matchup is kind of it's kind of up in the air because uh, Angel Feather has like some good things versus. Seven Cs, but Seven Cs might just kill the Angel Feather too quickly. But it's like hard to tell, especially since like Angel Feather, they can just keep intercepting everything away. So if you attack their rear guard, they just intercept a different rear guard, and so on. That's true. I think it might be a good time to start talking about the other units. Yeah. 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 All right, so I think uh, he mentioned that they would have difficulty calling from, uh, like, building a field. And one of the cards that I think is going to be really important in, in that respect is uh, Seven Seas Pillager Knight's Final. Uh, yeah. Obviously has the when it hits, uh, you get a treasure somewhere. And then it also has, when placed, on van or rear. You counterblast one, put the top two cards from your deck into the drop zone, and call up to one Seven Seas and its card name, not named Knight's Final, from your drop zone to rear guard circle. So I think right now is a good time to bring up that uh, you can't actually make a full deck of 7 Cs cards at the moment. You don't have triggers, you don't have enough grade 2s and grade 1s to make like, mm -hmm. a full lineup right now. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So this card is like better grade 2 Nightmist, because uh, like, just the extra like billing 2 plus the extra of actually having synergy with the rest of 7 Cs by giving you treasure markers is very nice. Uh, but it doesn't hit everything. Which is the like the the only downside of this card, pretty much. Right. Yeah. Mm. The other thing I'll compare it to like Captain Nightmares, the Great Two, is that a lot of those cards had that ten plus cards in the drop zone requirement. Um, I was talking to Evan, and he basically explained it where Knight Spinal and some of the Seven Seas cards really just care about the quality of your drop zone and feel rather than the quantity in the drop zone at that point. Yeah. The problem, the problem with that though, at the moment for for Grand Blue is that there's no way to control the quality of your drop zone besides having all quality cards in your deck. So I, I feel like that that totally makes sense. That's what they care about, but they can't really do anything about it at the moment. 
Right. And another, Especially another, oh, go ahead. another commonality you'll see among the uh, Seven Seas cards is that not that many of them actually mill that many cards, which is both a blessing and a curse, in a way. Yes. It's like if you resolve a Knight's Final right away early in the game and you mill no Seven Seas unit, you just kind of like wasted a counter blast. And you're just kind of like eh, in a weird position too. So seeing Night Spino with some targets is ideal instead of doing like a, a blank, uh, not a blank, uh, a blank milling, I guess you can say, or a blind milling. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's a check top two cards of your deck for uh, for a seven seas and hope it's the seven seas yeah. one. Yeah, that's so, a good analogy. So it's like a liberator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like can we get to another? Uh, when we get to another card, uh, this this check the top cards of your deck thing becomes more relevant. Uh, but we'll get there when we get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know we yeah, brought up is... uh, was it Slash Shade before? Um, yes. Yeah. So I think this is going to be a key card. Uh, no matter like no matter how heavy you lean into the Seven Seas thing or not. It's the only card that naturally hits over one trigger, which is very important. Yeah, Slash Shade is nutty. Yeah, yeah, yeah Slash Shade is just good. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I was working up the list, so... Oh, no, it's okay. Um, But yeah, Knights... I, I feel like also, because you can't have a deck of pure 70s, you're going to have to... That we know of yet. That we know of yet. You're going to have to heal the Breach with things like... Uh, Greed Shade or Cap- the original Captain Night Mist or Romario. In that grade one, yeah, Romario will never leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a so good actually, first ride. <laughs> my opinion of Grade 2 Night Mist in this deck has somewhat changed in that yeah. I thought he was like, well, it, it only somewhat changed because I'm appreciating him more, mm-hmm. but it still stands that I think you would rather not play Captain Night Mist if you could choose not to, but he's just too important for this deck because this deck doesn't, like, it can't call a field easily. It has to commit from hand most of the time, and I don't think four knights spinal is going to cut it pretty much. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I, I I'd be grudging, you... it's like I'd be grudgingly play this card that is really dated. Yeah, yeah I like, don't think uh, you have to, I... go ahead. I was going to say, it's like that Murakumo G-Guard, the, the flip one, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> That Matt doesn't right. play it. Yeah. Guarding, guarding the greed shape topic. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah. I wanted to talk more about Captain Nightmiss is that you don't really necessarily have to play four Nightmiss and four or four Captain Nightmiss and then four the Knights Final. You can have Captain Nightmiss as kind of helping that bridge that gap. Um, mm-hmm. You can do chain calling depending on how much counterblast you have to. So you can have. Either uh, you can have Captain Nightmiss call Knight Spinal, and then Knight Spinal can call another key card like Slash Shade, and so you can build a four. Um, you can build uh, basically three regards on the field with two Counter Blasts and committing one card from hand at that point, which is not bad. And then right after that, if you have, I think this, this is a good time to go into Nightcrow because Nightcrow is the Great One. Uh, he also has that unhit get a treasure marker. His ability though is from the drop zone. And you soul blast one, retire one of the regards on the field, and you can call it to regard circle. And so with that, uh, not only you can soul blast seven seas units that you might have ridden, um, but you can also kill non seven seas units like a Captain Nightmiss, and then replace it with an actual seven seas unit that can be benefited from the great three Nightmiss's skills too. Right, and even once you once you have like three treasures, say, then even uh, like. Sacking a grade two not seven C's unit is better is it's better to do that for Night Mist for Nightcrow than it is to keep the non seven C's unit. Yeah, which is why it's so important to deny three treasure markers uh as much as possible on the first grade three turn. Because yeah. the the three mark is like I'd say the three mark the difference between the one and the three is like the difference between a three damage and a four damage night rose. For people who understand that comparison. <laughs> Maybe not to that, that extent, but the gap is like similar. Yeah, like the one treasure is like K, which kind kind of annoying, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not like 
Yeah. Incredibly tough. Your yeah. opponent can try and play around it. Well, actually, it's still going to be hard to play around because the treasure... Because it's a continuous effect, and you get the treasure on hit, so you can get it during the turn. Uh, but it's going to make, like, the 7Cs player really have to think about their attack pattern more. Um, I mean, the thing where, at least in Slash Shade's case, where it gets the ability if any marker is there, so if you start by doing the Riot Protect 2 gift in the back... You're already at, you know, two markers. You can do something with that. But also, because yeah, literally but... every 7Cs card has on hit get a treasure marker, not a lot of people are going to be guarding on the first and second turn. And mm -hmm. being that it's grand blue and you want things in your drop zone, I think 7Cs is going to be incentivized to kind of just drop and rush the second that they can. Because, right. oh no, you attacked my thing, it's in the drop zone. <laughs> okay. Uh, but also, like, y you can just start firing off treasure markers left and right before they r the opponent really stabilizes and, you know. The one thing, though, is that, and this is also part of why uh, Slash It is so important, is if your opponent gets that one trigger, it's over. Yeah. It, it makes it really your other attacks either not hit or just weaker, basically. Yeah, this that kind of reminds me of better old Pale Moon in that regard. A lot of attacks, most of them kind of small, except for one of your regards, but they get shut down by a trigger, pretty much. But if you're me and never get triggers on damage, then you just get me. Sure. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, the cool thing about this deck is you can kind of play around triggers with your attack order and using some of your attacks to boost, while some of them you multi-attack with, but it still kind of hurts your turn a lot if your opponent gets a trigger. Like yeah, time. if you're if you're playing against a not force deck, if even if you have a column that's like, you know, uh, some random grade two, right? That's not mm -hmm. even a seven C's with Nightcrow behind it, and that's still twenty two. That's hitting over a trigger on not on not force clans. Yeah, yeah. and right, even so... then, uh, you're you're probably going to be using protect two, so you're probably going to have a five k extra in one of your columns. Mm, so it'll be at twenty seven, which is a pretty nice number for. I mean, it's not as nice for Force, but it's super nice for, you know, not Force. Yeah. You start it's hitting so nice that for force, it's it's yeah. 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 Um, so, on, uh, what is it? Night Mists, or Seven Seas Night Mists first skill. When it says uh, Seven Seas can attack and intercept from the back row, it does uh -huh. not give grade ones and threes intercept. Intercept. It just says, if they have it, they can use it. Okay. Yes. I'm just putting oh, this out actually, there because people have like, made say, that mistake before. Did we actually say slash state skill? We did. Yeah, yeah we, we have. We said it as like, okay. the second one we read. Yeah. So a comparison I want to make with uh, 7C's uh, for, for slash state, and I know I bring it up every podcast pretty much, but this is actually like super relevant right now. Uh, and it's a comparison <laughs> to Angel Feather. So for Slash State, if it's on something with a with a marker on it, it gets plus 15k. But that's actually very similar to uh, Amputation Angel. Uh, no, yeah, Amputation Angel in Angel Feather. Yep. Whose skill is, if it's in a column with a marker on it, it gets plus 15k. And if there are three or more markers on your field, then uh, it gets uh, no Sentinel Garbage Trick. So that's very similar. And I kind of think that, like, uh, especially... I kind of think that uh, Angel Feather was kind of used for a prototype for Seven Cs at, at the very least <laughs> in this case. Um, uh, and the, the Markumo treatment, uh, yeah, especially since like you know Malkuth is essentially uh, a Grand Blue card, which is uh, very That's true. Uh, but uh, um, uh, Malkuth, uh, so it has two. Yeah. Uh, two skills. Uh, the first skill is is modular depending on the situation. So the okay. first skill is on ride. Oh, this is the grade three, by the way. Uh, on ride. Uh, uh, if your opponent is at uh, on ride counterblast two, if your opponent is at uh, four or less damage, you deal one damage to them. I thought it was like grade two or lower. Oh yeah, sorry. All right. If your opponent is grade two or lower, deal a damage to them. If your opponent is grade three or higher, heal a card. Uh, the second skill is what they stole from Granblue, because uh, everyone steals from Granblue. Um, the second skill is uh, 
Soul Blast one. Choose three car. Choose three uh, units in your drop zone, and call them to uh, rear guard circle. Then your front row gets plus five k, and then you take the damage. Oh, okay. Yeah, which uh, it actually has a lot of really good synergy with the deck uh, because of some other card that I'm gonna bring up in a bit because that was once again a prototype for another card here. Uh, but just from using Amputation Angel, that 15k is really big. Um, yes. The one, the kind of one upside though for, uh, I guess for Angel Feather is that they have easier, surprisingly, they have easier and cheaper access to their drop zone. So it's kind of like for the grade two that gets plus 15k, you can like intercept with it on a protect two marker and then it dies and then you bring it back. That's a bit harder in seven C's, but it depends on how many calls from the drop seven C's actually needs per game. I, I wanted to go back to the intercepting part. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it ties into with what happens if you don't have slash aids. Are are more of the other units in seven C's actually useful to have on the board? And it kind of goes with the new grade one retrain, which is Rise Tutor. Um, when he has a marker, and it could be a protect two marker as well, he just uh, gains the intercept ability. So grade oh, one. Oh hey, the, the thing era. I was complaining about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, grade ones, <clears throat> excuse me. Grade ones in the V era just have higher shield value. They're 10k, and just being able to call grade one sometimes hurts. But now you can actually intercept from the back, and then if you have a protect marker, it's additional uh, 10k shield. So you really can get some value on that respect on the defensive as well if you really need to. Yeah. So on the topic of Rise Tutor, this is the other card where Angel Feather essentially had a prototype of the card. Uh, it was Sexio Angel. Uh, Sexio Angel is, uh, if it's in a column that has a protect marker or has a marker in it, uh, then it gets um, intercept. From, it, it can intercept from the back row, and it gets. Uh, it, it can't be targeted by opponent. It can't be chosen for opponent's card effects, which essentially Rise Tutor, except Rise Tutor has the additional. Helps you get a treasure marker synergy with uh, seven C's, while uh, Sexio Angel has the can't be chosen for for opponent card effects, which that part is actually kind of relevant in the current meta, not being able to be chosen. Uh, right. Yeah, and from experience, from just playing a, playing Angel Feather with that card, that card is like really good. Uh, just intercepting for the back row for 10k or 20k, depending on if you have a protective marker on it. It's kind of this card uh, for seven C's kind of adds to the durability because you would think that most rush decks, like especially since they're calling a lot from hand, they kind of would just like burn through their hand and just kind of die pretty quickly. But this card can actually like add some a bit of longevity to your game plan. The mm. only thing that's a bit concerning uh, that is similar for that is less of an issue for Angel Feather in using this card is how many uses you'll get out of it. Uh, because, uh, like we said earlier, 7C's variant of Grand Blue doesn't have that many calls from the drop. So it's like, you, uh, Angel Feather with Malka, you, you just keep reviving, like, a bunch of things every turn. But this, you're gonna have to, like, make the decision, hey, am I gonna bring back Rise Tutor, or do I wanna bring back, uh, Slash Say, or Knights, or, uh, some other card? Yep. Very good going. Um, I, I also want, oh, go ahead, Alice. I was going to say, another thing that this helps with is not just your durability, but your adaptability. So, if this is uh, on a treasure marker in the back row, it can attack from the back row, if you're on 7Cs. But also, it helps if this is behind uh, something, and let's say the opponent takes a trigger on damage, now this thing can boost. So you can slightly heal the breach if they take a trigger on damage, and you know, it, you lower your attack count by one, but you can still put pressure on the opponent. Agreed. And I was going to yeah. say that um, one of the things that is different for even Grand Blue players and even people facing Grand Blue are two things. One is just being able to attack from the back row. The closest thing we had in Grand Blue was Megiddo, um, where you can swap and then they can attack in the front row, but never from the back row. And so it... For a Grand Blue player, that's kind of awkward at first, but it takes a little playtesting to kind of get used to it. And at the same time, your opponent, um, if they're not really used to it, they won't expect that. And then, of course, with cards like Rise Suitor, 
just to randomly intercept from the background. They're like, oh, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just worried about your hand size. And then all of a sudden you got this card that's just like, nope, guarded, you know. And that's, so it just brings a different dynamic of thinking too. Go ahead. That whole intercept the back row out of nowhere thing, it's gotten so many people so many times when I play Angel Feather. They just weren't expecting me to suddenly have 20k to 30k shield in my back row. Right, exactly. It almost reminds me of uh, Gurguet days. Too. Yes, very much. Right, so this seems like a pretty big part. <laughs> what was that, Matt? Oh, I was just saying, slay me, flay. They're all slay me. Good times. So I guess we should talk about the last card, and probably the weirdest card of all these Seven Seas cards. Uh, yeah. Seven Seas Apprentice Night Runner. Oh, I you know, might remember this card. Wait, what? Never mind. I thought we had two more. It was just Night Runner. Yeah, it's just oh, Night yeah. Runner left. <laughs> just Night Runner. So far. Uh, so you all remember this it's guy. It's a grade zero 5k. You might remember him being banned before. Uh, when its attack hits, you can choose uh, uh, one of your Vanguard Circle Rearguard Circle without any treasure markers and put a treasure marker there, blah, 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 blah. And then it has an act on your guard circle. You can bind it and mill two and return uh, a card with seven scenes, this card name, not named Nightrunner, from your drop set to your hand. So if I were to compare it to a card, it, it basically is a green shade for seven seas. But it's a 5k yeah. grade zero that's not a forerunner. Which, uh, Here's the thing does. about, let me, let me because I've actually thought about the whole grade zero arguments, and let me explain. Outside of needing to ride, which if you're if you're running a deck like this, you're probably going to only run four grade threes anyway. So essentially, you you replace the last four grade threes of your deck with a grade zero that you're not going to ride uh, because you this can't ride anyway. For, for standard, right? Yes, for standard. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, the thing about Seven Seas Apprentice Night Runner <clears throat> is you can it's directly. I think it's comparable to how Rough Seas Banshees was back in premium slash era which is the crit trigger you can kind of put into soul and draw a card. Essentially, Rough Seas Banshee, like if I was playing back in Chi-Era and I opened a hand of four Rough Seas Banshees and a, uh, and a grade one, I would literally just keep that hand because those Rough Seas Banshees outside of writing are not actually Rough Seas Banshees. They're another card in your deck. And that's right. pretty much the same thing with Night Runner. If you draw a Night Runner and you play the Night Runner, it just becomes another card in your deck because essentially... Another card in your deck, or another card, or a card in your drop zone, because it's going to mill two to your drop zone, so essentially check two for a card that you want. Uh, so I see no problem running uh, four of night, four Nightcrows. and also would, the extra sh shield from the 15k is like pretty nice. I would feel concerned about running Night Runner without a certain threshold of seven C's cards, because uh, you obviously you can't get Night Runner right, so you're looking yeah. at. 20 cards in your deck that you can possibly get otherwise. This is also... Well, so, this is also why I think it's important to not only run Nightrunner, but also run Nightshade. Uh, sorry, Greedshade. Because Greedshade hits things that Nightrunner can't. Right, Nightrunner can't. Uh, and also can't hit Nightrunner itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's also like some call cards where it's like, uh, you know, not, both Night Spinal and Captain Nightmist can... Hit, uh, can hit Night Runner in the drop zone, uh, but I think that like having the Greed Shade adds the extra flexibility to uh, the deck because like uh, Jaime uh, brought up his friend who was writing a, uh, who writes a blog about Grand Blue, which we can like plug that uh, if you want. But he made the argument of not running Greed Shade at all and running two Ruin Shade in its place, and I think like Greed Shade's flexibility is just kind of a is very useful for the deck still, even with Night Runner, and even if like uh, even if what's it called uh, Rune Shade gets the two mil on on ride versus uh, Green Shade who does not, I think that's a very small difference uh, in the grand scheme of things compared to just what Green Shade does for you because Green Shade can also Green Shade can also grab your draw PGs, so it's definitely I think it's a combination of Night Runner and Green Shade. And the thing is, if you think about it, these cards are just check top two for a card you need. And essentially, that's like checking the top for uh, Night Mist, which this deck Blizzard dies by having Night Mist. So between Night Runner, 
Creed Shade, and the eventual Grade 3 Checker that Grand Blue will get, I think that, depending on the ratios you run, you will always get Night Mist on Grade 3, or almost always, which is kind of a scary thought, depending on what ratios you run. Yeah. Uh, to add to that, I know that uh, Evan, he was saying that he valued the Ruin Shade more because if he actually had to write it on Vanguard, he would just get the extra mill where Green Shade doesn't give you that, but you, you made a solid argument that still, if you call it a rear guard, you can mill more and get a higher consistency rate of actually getting the Night Mist for your grade 3 ride, which is really what you want in every game, too. And with both cards like that, you can always just get rid of them with Nightcrow, too, so that way you can still have a 7 Seas board and still get the use of a, a Green Shade or a Ruin Shade, for example. Green Shade also kind of, like, I think it opens up a few more a few more combo lines. I think I haven't like fully mapped them all out yet, uh, but yeah, it, it's just a lot more flexible, especially since you can't run a full seven C's deck. Right. And also, sometimes you want to pick up a trigger to be defensive or pick up a PG, which this is like very useful for doing because you're going to be milling stuff. Yeah. And for those, maybe like a budget consideration, I know that Green Shade is not cheap right now, but it's going to get a reprint soon. Um, I forget if the reprints come out before the set. So if you get your, your reprints, I definitely... I'm picking this up. <laughs> if you plan on playing Grand Blue at all. <laughs> Sorry, say that and, again. And uh, is Romario getting reprinted as well? Yes, Romario yeah. too. I Thank guess God. I could segue into Romario if you guys want to. Yeah, we should probably Please. Play at some point. For Romario, I think. Uh, for Romario, I'm not sure if that might be an include in the deck, actually. Surprisingly enough. I yeah. think maybe between the combination of Spinal and... Uh, sorry, the combination of Runner and Greed Shade might be enough to not run Romario. Because the big thing is, like like I said, the one thing this deck is kind of lacking is uh, Mill Power. Because uh, right now, of the cards we have, only Night Runner and Spinal actually mill cards, and they only mill two. Uh, right. So I think they need a they need stronger mill power. Because like we said earlier, uh, they, Seven Seas cares more about the quality of the rear guards, not the size. Quality we dropped on, not the size. But there's no way to control the quality unless right. you run an entire deck of quality cards. So uh, what Jaime's friend said of running. What Jaime's friend said on his blog about running uh, Norman the Ghosty, at first I thought that was like pretty bad, but now I kind of see taking into like the grand scheme of things, the extra mill from Norman the Ghosty is like can be pretty useful, and especially if, like I said, you run it with Greed Shade, because you can pretty much what you can do is you can um, you can Norman the Ghosty, and then kill that. And then you can greed shade the Norman the Ghosty, then play the Norman Ghosty again, and then use it again. Which you're, uh, he mentioned using Night Mist, but Night Mist also costs a Counter Blast, and you probably rather use that call for something better. Uh, I mean, uh, but, j just yeah. for people who don't know what Norman the Ghosty is, it's a 7k grade 1, you retire it on Rearguard Circle, mill two cards in the top of the deck, and one of your other units gets 10k. So that's what he means by Normaning. Um, the big thing is the 7k is like really bad, but uh, who cares? It's in the drop zone now. <laughs> I mean, if you ride it, it's like oh right, right, yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> More yeah, I, I think that also ties in with the, the counter blast uh, argument is that a lot of the seven seas cards don't actually counter blast except for Knight's final. That's so. True. A lot of those counter blasts are really used for like Captain Nightmare and Night Spinal, which revives you another card. So, um, yeah, you know, being able to just bring anything that you want with Nightmare, uh, Captain Nightmare, like the the Norman, um, can be worth it. It, it can it can mean the difference between of a, a trigger damaged, uh, a damage stacked right. So that way your formations are solid too. Like even just going Nightmare into Night Spinal into something else, that's off of one card. You got three things. Exactly. Yeah. And you're, they're also likely to get uh, Tommy the Ghosty, the Great Three uh, Checker, in this yeah. set also, right? So yeah, that would actually help too. On call from might... anywhere, I believe, right? Which one? Uh, on call. From, uh, the the Great Three Checker was it on call from anywhere from the hand? Uh, I should actually check that one sec. 
It's from hand because I know Baraggio's from Michael Forces from hand. Ah, okay. Believe me, I tried that with Odysseus. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. <laughs> the yeah, they're all from hand. All right. That'd be That's pretty nutty if it wasn't. I know. <laughs> they do but, it with, but, um, it's, but it's fine. We have Nightrunner and Greed Shade plus the Grade Three Checker. I I think it's like you're going to get your Grade Three. I mean, I don't want Pale Moon to call it, like, five mm-hmm. times in a turn, so I understand that. Yeah. Oh, dude. For yeah. real. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me check top five again. <laughs> oh. Would you even bother running other grade threes in the deck, or are you just going to go four Night Miss and that's it? I feel like the four Night Miss is the way to yeah. go, because a lot of – one of the things that I saw in the Seven Seas uh, set, the whole cards, they work really well together. But you can't really splash them into another Varium as an engine because they rely on so much of their own mechanic, too. So they're xenophobic. I mean, we also still have the entirety of the rest of this set. There could be more. That's also yeah, the true. Big yeah. thing, the big thing is, like, I'm a very, like, value-oriented player, so I like the idea of being able to run Kokaitis in this deck. But the problem is this deck relies so much on the, the three treasure skill of... Night Mist, Captain Night Mist, uh, sorry, uh, Grade 3 Night Mist, that you can't really ride anything else with it just being pretty bad. Right. Your 7 Seas cards don't really get any benefit on their own unless you have the markers like Slash 8 cares about, but then the other units are just kind of, eh. Yeah. Actually, Rise uh, Tutor's like not bad on Rise Tutor's not bad on its own, actually. Yeah, being a free <clears throat> intercept on... Like, you might even run... If, uh, let's say, Night Rose turns out to be Badonkers, or uh, people keep playing Tokaitis, or whatever. The fact that uh, Rice Tutor can get a marker on their own and still has that intercept ability, you might still run it mm-hmm. in other Grand Blue yeah. stuff, because it's like a nice, solid oh. grade one that can, you can intercept from the back row with that has 10k shield. Yeah. Like I said, um, I play Angel Feather, and the card that is used uh, like this for Angel Feather, the inter- grade one that intercepts from the back row, it's really good because it's combined with Malka that can just bring three cards back every turn. So if this ends up in Night Roads, if they get mass calling too, or very efficient calling, this could become you know just a constant 10k intercept you get every turn. Or more, depending on how many you call. Wait, That's sorry. also very true. Are you saying that Protect uh, would have gotten what they needed? to do what they want to do. What do you mean, do what they want to do? They should have let them intercept in the background in the first place. Maybe. Um, oh, that's, I that's probably what they did with Protect 2. Like, uh, there's also another Protect clan in this set, which is Dark Regulars, which, who knows, they might get their own weird uh, set of markers. I can only hope... Uh, no, a oh, weird set of markers. I, I hope it just is unuseful with premium DI. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> probably not going to be the case. Oh, I know. I know. I can just hope. They already said that um for D they already said for the set there's only there's gonna be four markers. So you have the standard trio and then treasure markers. Okay, so no one's getting anything else game fancy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. This game also breaks CFA again. Right. Sick. That's my favorite thing, sick. is whenever whenever CFA gets broken. <laughs> Why? Because they got to go, we'll be under maintenance for about a day or so. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, this deck is, like, really sweet, and I mm-hmm. think uh, if Night Rose wants to impress, this set up the bar pretty high, in my opinion. Yeah. I'll bet. We've talked I, mostly I'll... about, like, standard okay. stuff. Did you have anything to say about Seven Z's in premium, Jaime. Take yeah, Jaime. Uh, you know, it could be. Uh, I was gonna go more allude to what Nairos, whether it be standard or premium. If she's able to call like a board, even on the battle phase or main phase, you know, even cards like you said, Rice Tutor is good. Um, Slash A could be also in the Grade Two slot too, because yeah. she's just a big beater by herself. And depending on what else comes on the set, we can really dictate what kind of you know if Skull Dragon's gonna be played in that deck as well. Oh. And it's like, do we have more cards like Slash A to just add more beaters, right? 
it's almost like a, a negarook from the Giera, right? We just had a beater that we always kind of relied on, too. Mm. And okay. then... Well, especially, again, because it's something that can get a marker on itself whenever. Uh, you, I feel like things that get power or intercept through markering are more splashable than something like Night Spinal or Night Runner or uh, right. Night Mist. Right, exactly. With uh, Premium... I'll oh, go ahead, Alice. I was just going to say, uh, splashable, that doesn't mean that they're splashable. They're more splashable. Yeah, they're more likely to, basically. Yeah. Yeah. With um, with Premium, it opens a lot of gates, actually. <laughs> um, so... Like so splashable again in Premium? Uh, <laughs> yes and no. I wouldn't say it would be... I have to play test a little more, and also we'll see what the extra Grand Blue support we'll get. So one of the things that you can do, let's say you do have the six treasure markers, and if you're on your first or second stride, you can stride the new premium collection stride, the Bat Bounty. And what you can do, if you have your full board, um, you can actually attack with Vanguard first and put any triggers, um, specifically crit triggers on Slash 8s, right? And then you'll actually go back to G-Zone, rewrite Grade 3 Nightmares from the drop and stand. And now you have basically your board normally would be in standard. But you have the benefit of having that second second Vanguard attack. And you have the benefit of actually getting crit triggers onto those units. Because if Slash Aid and the other units attack, then your second Vanguard attack attacks. It'll restand all of them. And effectively turning your your slash shades into kind of like aqua force restanders with crits basically <laughs> sounds horrifying yep and you don't necessarily have to have the, the four slash shades on board but if you can work with like maybe two or three it, it's still pretty threat if you really think about it the only requirement is really having those six treasure markers <laughs> this would be like the most consistent the most inconsistent thing in the universe, but, like, imagine running a split of two of this Night Mist and two of the original Break Ride Night Mist for premium. Like, That's true. Dude. It'll almost never happen, but it would be hilarious when it does. That's also true. Because you get to take advantage of the Break Ride, too, to, to call field, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they get five... T- that's so, that's so meme I guarantee you someone out there is like, I'm gonna make it work. <laughs> It can work, but uh, how consistent and how often you can get it off is questionable. Yeah. That's the only one thing that I have my reservations on. Um, we have a lot of access to other cards, too, that kind of help with selective milling. Uh, so seven... we have Obadiah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, this isn't selective milling, but this seems useful anyway. Uh, seven Seas Cracked Soldier Knight Jasper on rear. Uh, you mill two when it attacks a vanguard if... Uh, Oh, it gives him an on-hit skill. Never mind. I was going to say, it, it it's red text uh, if it hits, if you have a 7 Seas Vanguard, Soul Charge, Counter Charge, but... Uh, that card was got, almost good. It, it was an <laughs> on-hit, so forget I said anything. Continue. Yeah, and I'll allude into the old 7 Seas sport as well, but um, with Selective Million, I mean, like, the Obadiah stride. So if you go into your stride turns, you can actually use Obadiah to grab five of the 7 Seas units that you care about. And that could be Nightcrawl, that could be your Slash Aid, that could be your Rice Tutor, because Obadiah lets you call as well, so you could build a feel with that. And so you can call Slash Aids, you can call Rice Tutors, and you can set up Nightcrawls in the drop zone, too, as well. And then, uh, besides the Stride, we have Chappie the Ghosty, too. I'm not sure if Chappie's still worth it to actually play in the deck, but we do have that. So what Chappie does is, on Guardian Circle, uh, the moment he hits it, you can actually mill one card from your deck, and put it in the drop zone, so you can choose anything you want, even in the early game, or you can re-abuse it with uh, Negronora the G-Guard as well, too. So that can help with that, but I'm not sure if that's even worth it, because we're only we're already running more grade zeros and less grade threes, so we're gonna have to rely hitting the Nightmares and also rely on the premium collection crits to be able to consistently strive too. The you uh, wrote an article about all this stuff on. Uh, Road to the Seven Seas, your your Grand Blue blog. Um, yep. We will put a link to it in the show notes if you want more information. 
Um, you also brought up stuff like Witch Doctor of the Seven Seas Rise Ruler and Plegaton, um, for at least for premium anyway. Um, yes. I I think it's interesting. Like if you ride Plegaton, you get a free thing, and then you go into the boat and then attack, and then you ride uh, New Night Mist on top of Plegaton, and then now your treasure marker stuff is live. Man, too bad you can't just slam New Night Mist on Old Night Mist, right? Because <laughs> they have the same names, so you'd have to do two and two, like Rupert was saying. Yeah. Someone's going to try it for the memes. Oh, of course they are. Why wouldn't they? Just give it a, put a V at the end of it. Go, go on. Just for this for game. V at the end. <laughs> yeah, this might be the first time that the uh, old card and the new card would have synergy with each other. <laughs> Just not allowed. Yeah, yeah. I like it when the uh, I like it when the new cards just have improved synergies in the old ones. Yeah, like the X and new dote. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I still don't know what new X is gonna do. Oh yeah, that's coming out too. Stay tuned for that set review whenever that is. Um... With the with the seven C support, um, like the G era stuff, like you mentioned, Plague Ten. That's a that's another option for the Great Three. So that that could be a consideration. Um, the other cards like uh, Rise Ruler is just another um, place call something with a counterless, and it could be useful actually because we're already debating with having Captain Nightmiss, but now we can just replace that with Rise Ruler as well and still have the Seven Seas name. And uh, he's an AK, which kind of sucks, but then again, then again, he gets the 5K benefit from Grade Three Nightmiss, so he can hit 13K, mm-hmm. and also your Grade Ones being able to hit those four Vanguard numbers too. Yeah, it and kind then, of sucks that he gives the thing he calls 5k, but he doesn't get the 5k. You're like, oh, yeah. great. Yeah, it's good and awkward at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I mentioned another one that is basically the Seven Seas Forerunner that really wasn't uh, shown as much play. Um, but when your Vanguard's grade 3 or greater, you can just shove it into Saul and actually call a Seven Seas unit. And it's not kind of less reliant. And so that can really help with that too. So, and yeah. there, there's other cards too, but I feel like those ones really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing wrong with that. So, go ahead, Atlas. I was gonna say like uh, that's all well and good, but does it synergize with Zazan? <laughs> that's just that, that, that question's <laughs> hanging over our heads forever. So, that's true. Yeah. Um, it's annoying how interesting this could be, and at the same time, it might be a from cradle to grave. Um, right. Also, in regards to the the standard part, one there are a few cons- very concerning matchups in standard. One of them being the Majesty Lord Blaster. I was going to ask about that. Oh. <laughs> So the problem with Majesty Lord Blaster is that it's an 18k base Vanguard that can also get rid of its two front row rear guards. Yep. Oh, that's a very good point. That's like very concerning. Uh. Also, also, like, how many counter blasts do you think this deck would need to operate? Because you don't have that much, but MLB can also just keep you at three damage with Force Two and just keep swinging however much with three crit on the Vanguard. So, um, this deck, I mean, it, it, um, all its counterblast costs are just one, so it can be mm-hmm. very modular with what it uses, and it just wants to use as much as possible to probably, uh, conserve hand as much as possible, mm-hmm. but realistically in a game, I'm assuming this deck wants to kill you by around second grade three turn, yeah. um, yeah. So I would say probably at most they would use four or something similar to that, maybe a yeah. bit lower. So do you think MLB being able to damage deny you is going to be another problem with that matchup? I don't think that'll be the big problem. Okay. I think the big problem is the 18k base is just really, really dumb to deal with for this deck because literally it's only I believe it's only um, uh, what was it slash they that can actually hit over that number easily. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has to like boost or work for it, uh, or try and like try and attack them when they have a grade two out. Which 
I don't know how long Majesty Lord Plaster can keep up the no front row thing, like suck everything up. But it's gonna be if if they're doing it for like one to two turns, it's gonna be very annoying for uh, seven seas players to deal with. Also, the other thing was like we have a we had just this giant influx of four stacks come out, mm-hmm. and some of these four stacks tend to hit high higher numbers, where Rise Tutor becomes less valuable, and because this deck only runs four grade threes, it's not going to be rewriting a whole lot, which. Once again, being able to keep uh, rewriting, which also adds value to Green Shade, because Green Shade increases the chance that you are rewriting, uh, as well as uh, Night Runner. But because of that, you're not really stacking Protect 2 markers either. So against four stacks that have like high power attacks, uh, your intercepts aren't going to be really that strong. And naturally, Protect 1 has a better does a better job versus those, kind of, versus those kinds of decks. Plus, every um, time you rewrite, you get compensated with a protect marker. But with protect two, um, you lose one from hand. Or protect one. You protect one. If you uh, protect two, gets value if you don't rewrite more than protect one overall. Generally, right. But, That's what I'm saying. Uh, when you rewrite, yeah. yep. I think you uh, mix up the two for a second. So, yeah. So yeah, it's, oh, it's just awkward. And like, like I said, a Greed Shade definitely helps alleviate this. Running a combination of both Nightrunner and Greed Shade uh, would help us a bit, but it's still, like, awkward sometimes in the Force matchup. And then, like, some Force matchups, like, uh, what, like, Neonectar and Gear Chronicle kind of just kill you pretty fast, too. I think that also brings up a topic that Evan mentioned in his article on the blog, is that uh, he's actually playing six draw triggers. Um, four of them being the draw PG, and there's there's a lot of pros and cons to it. And when you're taking damage, you know, seeing a draw trigger is actually pretty helpful with the seven C's deck, uh, or even on damage check. And then he made me realize too, if if you rip a crit, you you almost don't want to give your opponent two damage from one attack because you want your other attacks to actually be able to hit because. If they get a damage check on one of those two damage check or trigger on those two damage checks, then it kind of messes with your turn too. So it almost kind of weighs into adding more draw triggers or just do the four with the draw PGs. Um, I, go ahead. I think the draw PG just also adds a lot of value in terms of uh, getting cards you need as well as card advantage. Because I talked about uh, the milling, the, the the lower milling aspect as like a, both a blessing and a curse. The curse yes. part is that the natural there's naturally less uh, milling in seven seas, therefore your drop zone isn't going to be as lo- you're not going to mill as much. So you right. it's like you want a quality drop zone, but a way to fuck qual- the to uh, fuck luck is just to mill a lot, which this deck can't. Um, but the advantage of that is you now have the option of running draw triggers without completely killing yourself instantly. Um, That's true. It still might be a bit of a gamble, depending on how many mill cards you run. But I think running the draw trigger to cover the force matchup uh, better, as well as uh, being able to replenish your resources in hand and replenish your board is very useful in this deck. And also what Jaime brought up about his what his friend said is actually very true. Even if that thing. last, oh, even if that last damage wouldn't be lethal, they might just guard it anyway, just to not give you like the sixth marker. Yeah. You always have them on their toes in a way where it's like, do I really want to give them another treasure marker if they they haven't met their mark yet? You know. Um, opponents will have to play around this deck as much as the this deck plays around their opponent. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing that I wanted to highlight is that, like, with the draw triggers, it helps dig deeper into your deck, too, um, is how do, how does one effectively use the cards that they already have to mill a lot? And one of the things I mentioned in the article is actually kind of like a, a sequence of milling. So you can use cards like Reach Aid to mill two cards, grab a, a Night Runner, and you can discard the Night Crow in your hand at the same time, and then use the Night Runner, Night Runner to mill two, grab a Night Spinal, and then call the Night Spinal to mill two more cards, and you can finally get your, your uh, Slash Aid or any other card that you want, 
and then just use the Nightcrawl to replace the original Green Shade that you used in the beginning. And now you have a, a seven seas, uh, two regards with seven seas in the name, and you milled like six cards too, mm -hmm. to help with that too as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and importantly, uh, back to the whole Ruin Shade versus Green Shade comparison for the Grade 2 lineup, it's also important that that Ruin, uh, that Green Shade gets you the mill during your main phase, not your battle phase, because yes. you you're more flexible in what you can do in the the main phase. That's correct. Which is also why I'm in favor of running Green Shade over Ruin Shade overall. I just think the mill 2 on Grade 2 is not worth it. Uh, that's definitely that I'm going to play test too. Um, yeah. And premium might be a whole different animal too, because I know standard and premium are all different animals too, so that can look different in either, well, either you format. Guys, you guys are like Yu-Gi-Oh now, where you just have some staple cards that you splash into every deck, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Get away, yeah. There was a point in Yu-Gi-Oh where, where I like took a look at the deck list, and it's like the, for the main deck, it's like what like a good forty percent of the decks are the same. Yes, I've it's seen that literally hand traps card. and an engine. Yep. Yeah, and uh... it's changed now, but like at one point, it was literally three to four hand traps and then an engine of your choice. At least one engine, yeah. Sometimes multiple. <laughs> yes, and the multiple engine part is like where the how it gets up to like forty percent similarity. Because <laughs> everyone plays that, this and this. And now it's uh, Zazan Tempest Fear oh, plus number of vanillas, you know. For Yu Gi Oh! also plus staples, traps, and spells. Uh, <laughs> you don't see a lot of traps anymore on a large scale. Uh, not well, not anymore, anymore but. Turn one, that's why. Okay. So did yeah, you, exactly. did you say impermanence? Mm -hmm. No, they don't do anything on turn one. Well, well, impermanence is a trap that works on turn one. Yeah, but that's a hand oh, trap. Yeah. Which. Yeah, but it is a trap. Really yeah, no, 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 it's no, a no, literal no. hand trap rather than a fake hand trap. <laughs> All right. When I'm talking about the, the the hand traps, literally they play like three to four of the monster hand traps plus like infinite permanence and evenly matched monster hand trap. This one I like. Focus Nexus on tonight. <laughs> the Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. I think this is a good stopping point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last thoughts before we get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, if that's okay. <laughs> um, with the, the PGs, I know, funny enough, Grand Blue preferred the grade 1 PGs. Uh -huh. um, one, so we can play 12 crit, right? And then yeah. the other aspect is that we actually wanted to write the Dolph the Ghosty because you can actually draw a card and discard something. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's just like you rather write and attack with cards that have 7C so you can get those treasure markers because... If you didn't write a 7C's card and your Vanguard attack, they're just going to take it. And it's like, well, I don't have to worry about a treasure marker. So it's whatever. So it really makes you think about those straw triggers finally in Grand Blue, too, on top of that. <laughs> then that makes sense. Um, I, I guess we'll have to see if more 7C's cards come out or what the Night Rose stuff looks like. And that will be during the set review in mm -hmm. And also, like... We, mm -hmm. we still don't have the full set for the one that comes before this, so we don't even know if something like Overlord will become ridiculous again. Mm. That's true. When has just predicting want... things in the future without that yeah. much information bitten us in the ass, right? <laughs> Never. I just want to know what the grade 2 Ijikishima we're getting is going to be like. I assume you reveal the top card of your deck. In some form, probably. Call five cards from the drop zone. <laughs> oh, wait, wait—is OTT Grand Blue yet? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, that's the actual possibility then. It's calling cards <laughs> from the drop zone. Yeah. Angel feathers. Reveal, reveal a card from the top. Reveal a card from the top of your deck. Call up to two units with the same grade as that card to your field. Let's go. You're, you're, you're killing me, Smalls. Uh, anybody got anything else? Um, no. Nope. I was right. going to say that this is pretty much hitting everything on the um, on the coffin. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, well, that about does it for this episode of Nexus at Night. Commander Jaime, where can people find you? 
multiple places. <laughs> so I am one who gets crits, Commander Jaime, on YouTube. I have a lot of Aquaforce content on there, but I do have Grand Blue content in there. Uh, specifically for Grand Blue, you can check out rogue of the seven seas.wordpress.com. And that covers mainly Grand Blue only, to be honest. So if you guys love Grand Blue, that's a great place. I also have other references to other people that have Grand Blue content too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, on Twitter, I'm just Jaime Ulysses Elf One. So you can find me on there. And I think that's it, really. All right. Matt. Find me on Twitter at Wiggums, 2G2Cs. You can find me at Plasma Eclipse. I do the arts. And uh, I'm not really on social media, so contact these people if you want to contact me for some reason. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the day where I have to be like, James, I have an urgent message from the social beyond. <laughs> Someone said basically, you're gay. He's basically, he's basically saying nice spinal him to reach him. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Yep. Go um, jump through. No, no. What I'm telling you is to greet shape into night mist into night spinal to get me. Jump through all the hoops. <laughs> nice. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Atlas Novak, uh, or you can find this show at Nexus at Night on Twitter or Instagram, and then you can find my other podcast at Bad Reading Pod also on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, this week's episode we have coming out is uh featuring my co-host's dad because it's a father's day special and it is a fantasy series that i know nothing about so that should be fun we also did an extra podcast episode about final fantasy 7 remake you can go check that out on our buzzsprout page the prototype for what this channel could become yeah yes or this (laughs) podcast could become guess we'll have to see and until next time i was atlas i'm matt i'm rupier I'm Commander Jaime. Hello. That works. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Accurate. And hopefully our brains will function by the time we get to the next podcast. And have a good night, everybody.